Hello and welcome to the Lifefulness Podcast. I'm your host, Sanderson Jones, and on the Lifefulness Podcast, we investigate how people are answering their fundamental spiritual needs in an age which is increasingly secular. Uh, I'm one of your hosts and uh, I am the founder of a secular church. And then our other co-host, James, is going to be joining in a minute. He runs uh, one of America's largest humanist congregations. So that's what we do. And we go and interview people who have got things to teach us about uh, that question of like those needs, but also just like great life advice and we've got an amazing guest this week he is ben keen he is the founder of the rebel book club which is this uh worldwide reading movement it's an amazing book club which helps people to actually finish the books they star and so that's a huge part of our conversation which is how can you develop a great reading habit The other part of it is digging into his career as a community builder. I mean, I think he'd have been a vicar in another life if he was religious. He uh, started by uh, finding this island in Fiji, getting on with the local chief and then creating a community of people who would go over there. Then he advised... uh, people who wanted to change their lives and their careers in a place called Escape the City. He also sort of advises the Guardian, uh, the Green Party and other organisations. He's an amazing company, he's really fun and I think there's loads you're going to get from this. what did I get from it? Well, three things. Uh, one, uh, on the reading advice, just a simple thing. Choose books you love. <laughs> I mean, so dumb. Uh, so simple. Uh, then he's got great advice on how to like create a sort of reading habit, keep those devices away. And the third one, uh, when he talks about his time in Fiji and the carver ceremony, which was a way of bringing people together. And yeah. I found that really fascinating. So, without further ado, here is Ben, and I hope you enjoy the Lifefulness Pod. Hey, Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, how are you? Where are you calling in from? Oh, it's great to be with you guys. I'm calling in from uh, West Dorset, in the West Country of the British Isles, on this foggy winter's day. Uh, yeah, twenty. The weather in twenty twenty one has in the UK has just decided to be like we're going to copy the news. Want to make it like really pretty depressing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, as we said in the intro, Ben is an amazing community builder who has sort of worked on an, um, some really great initiatives, and we're going to dig into that. And particularly your current uh, community of uh, the Rebel Book Club, and really want to speak to you about reading habits. But before we get there. We'd love to ask you, what was the religious, spiritual, philosophical background of your childhood? Uh, so school was very much uh, kind of traditional Church of England. Um, I have a distinct memory, which was which sort of pushed me away from it all, I guess, which was the, li- the little red prayer book, um, which we had to... I know that's not what it was called. That's something they probably sell on School of Life <laughs> these days. But it, it was... It was uh, y- you had to, like, read along. Uh, with whoever was leading leading the service and I remember around the age of I, I think it was my mid-teens just just going well hang on what are these words what are these words we're reading they don't you know and at the same time I had a had a teacher who was doing sort of philosophy of religion as an extra class 
and around GCSE time. And he was like, yeah, into the conspiracy theories at NASA and everything. He's like, I'm a Christian atheist. And everything about him was like a paradox and, and like in terms of the, the world of traditional Christianity that I was being taught or going to every morning at the school chapel. So um, so that threw the cat amongst the pigeons. And um, yeah, I sort of ran, ran away from it all. I was, I was frustrated for a while. And then, but alongside that, my mum sort of, been an, an evangelical Christian all her life, or well, certainly since my parents separated. So, uh, so I've had that in the background, the singing and the dancing as well. Oh, wow. That is some uh, intriguing influences. And I can't wait to see how those uh, influence your work later on. And whenever we start this, we always begin with uh, the uh, our six lifefulness questions. These are big questions. and We'd love it if you could give uh, short answers to them. And uh, yeah, the first one is about like getting to this idea of ultimate meanings, which is our translation for the divine or God or yeah, what is uh, what is the thing which is most important in your life? What's the value which you hold dearest? I think the one that seems to crop up all the time is this feeling of belonging or, or uh, oh, this is this is this is where I'm meant to be uh, either like pure emotion or or mentally or, or physically or socially whatever it is it's that sense of like I guess it's it's the equivalent of peace or contentment but it's this strong sense of like this in this situation with these people in this conversation this is where I belong and that feels good and the second pillar of lifefulness is celebration and contemplation so how do you celebrate life or find a more contemplative mode yeah, to unwind for me, it's it's those radical hobbies of running and reading. Uh, so so that always helps me unwind. And the combination, you know, I used to travel a lot, so it was always about going to new places and meeting new people and uh, awakening all the senses. Um, but in more recent times, not just because of the pandemic, I guess uh, having a young family, it's through the eyes of my children and 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 sort of rediscovering the world um, through through their rapid prototyping that sounds wonderful Rapid prototyping i was really this uh, you're the it's actually our last guest said that holiday like get being away like uh, was one of these ways where he was able to go and be uh reconnect with uh, the senses and there is something like i think travel has almost become a spiritual experience at the moment though it, it, it always was uh, and then the next one is about community life so where do you find uh community I find community and wherever my kind of curiosities take me, um, that's limited physically these days, not just because of the pandemic, because I'm living in a rural part of the world in a small village with a, with a nuclear family. And that's, that is my tribe. Like they are my tribe. This is, this is my physical community, which is the same for all of us right now. It's whoever we happen to live with. Right. Um, and beyond, but in the past, this, I've, I've kind of, made big life decisions about wanting to connect and build communities. So that's something I've not just passed in and out of, but has shaped my work and uh, the questions that I'm in, I've been interested in answering. So it's played a big part in my life. And the fourth pillar of lifefulness is psychological growth. So how do you experience growth psychologically? Where do you go to get that? Well, the obvious answer is is books, uh, which can justify, I think, <laughs> on this occasion, um, reading a lot with our with our community and our book club. Um, but also, it's it's through conversations. So I find, and this is what we try and do at Rebel Book Club, is build beyond that. It, you know, 
taking in some information, listening to stories, and then discussing. Um, not a radical act, I know, but that's um, that's where I certainly feel like psychologically my, my world expands, um, or at least challenges the, the perspectives I have. Those listening to the podcast won't see that Ben has the most impressive and beautifully arrayed collection of books behind him. It's very, very well laid out. It's, a, it's like they, they kind of, there's this Twitter feed called Bookshelf Credibility, where they just every time a politician appears on the news in front of a bookshelf, they basically tear it apart and say, you know, they position this book to say this. And, so, you know, they've got these angles to make them feel and look this powerful in this way. And some people obviously just put a virtual bookshelf background. But I'm fascinated by how many people have done this uh, during video calls over the last year. It's like, I must have books to make me feel like I'm this serious person. And I guess in my case, it's like, no, this is my work. This is what we're doing. We, we... So I, I use the shelf a lot as well, hopefully, not just display it. Uh, the uh, yeah, because you've also got the sort of uh, you've got the books with facing outwards, including I know the last one that you read, uh, Narina Hertz is The Lonely Century. And I yes. saw someone commenting on a, someone else's shelf who doesn't have the justification to do this because they're not a this isn't their work going, why are your shelf books facing out? You're not a bookshop, whereas you guys actually in many ways are. It's a side hustle, Sanderson. I try and sell, sell books <laughs> every Zoom. Uh, and then the uh, so then that was on sort of personal growth. And then the other thing is serving others, which we see in spiritual communities across the world. How do you serve others? So the question that I've been trying to ask more and more of the last few years of my life is how can I help? Which is uh, <laughs> I think it'd be a great question for our country to ask the world, actually, when there's Brexit fallout. It's like, how can we how can we help you? Um, now that we've caused this problem but yeah so I, this goes back to i think <laughs> when i started helping people um with their own startup ventures projects social enterprises and it really is the one that unlocks so so much useful quick to the point conversation as you say right Simon, you know what what's that how can i help today and you're like oh yeah how can this person really help me and then you, you kind of accelerate towards potentially doing something useful together that's fantastic. Thank you. I, I might take you up on that, actually. There's lots of things I need help with right now. So the last one is changing the world. It's our interpretation of evangelism. How do you get out into the world and change it for the better? Well, that question uh, sometimes leads to change, doesn't it? So if you ask how you can help someone because it makes them self-reflect and then they feel like they're, they're being pushed forward to, do, to act with your support. So, so building on that... Um, but also, I think the other thing is just, to, is this, uh, Alistair Humphreys, who's this adventurer and, and friend of mine, talks about the doorstep mile, this idea that the difference between ideas and, and making them happen, um, and the doorstep mile is this very simple act of stepping out the door or, or, or turning on the headlights or asking someone for the first, you know, for the drink or whatever it is. And getting into that practice as a way of life of, of taking that first step. So everything that I've been involved with, it's been really positive and impactful and um, as, uh, fulfilling has been because I've said, oh, there's something there that I'm curious about um, that, that does align with the values. But, but it's, it's instinctual. And I'm like, I wonder what would happen if I asked that question um, to that person or I said, let's should we try and do this? Um, and a really good example of this was probably Rebel Book Club itself, because uh, the guy I started with, another Ben was sort of, he he put the idea out at a, like a 
dinner where we go around and everyone's got to share an idea in 10 seconds, four laps around with beers in between. And, it, and I was noting them all down. And then the next day I was like, instead of saying, I really like your idea, Ben, I just mocked up a page of like his idea and said, and that kind of kicked him. Well, let's go. We're already, it's already begun. Well, that is the uh, perfect way to go and find out. Cause like we, we're going to get into like how we can improve our reading habits, something I'm sure loads of people have said. Uh, and, but before that, tell us like this story of Rebel Book Club, because it's, uh, yeah, it's such a wonderful community to have witnessed from afar. So it's probably the simplest and easiest project adventure I've been involved with and started. And I don't know if that's a sign of actually learning from my mistakes or being less, less ambitious. Um, but it's turning out to be something that's that's getting momentum and, and starting to have quite a big impact. So it started when I was working. This is going to sound ridiculously uh, cliched and stereotyped in terms of spiritual uh, uh, adventures. But I was uh, in Bali uh, <laughs> with all the eat, pray, eat, pray lovers and mamas. Um, and I was there with uh, my wife and our six month old daughter at the time. And we just we just gone to escape for a few months. I worked at the escape school in London at the time, helping other people escape careers into more meaningful work. And I was like, oh, I need to do this again. Uh, escape, escape. And so we went out to Bali and I was, I was like, how are we going to fund this? I was like, well, I'm going to coach. I can potentially coach and support people who are trying to get their own projects off the ground. And so I basically invited my own network along and about hundred of them turned up over six months and I coached them whilst I was there. So that was the way it happened. And then we had this, uh, this dinner one evening, which if you're looking to generate ideas, if you're kind of like creatively stuck around entrepreneurial or new project ideas, this, this works a treat, especially if you have a diverse group. Um, and it's very simple. You, you go around the table and, and you know you're going to be discussing ideas or sharing ideas for potential projects or businesses. And you go around once and you're like, okay, so it's, uh, you know, inner city sumo if we have a pub car park, a bit of chalk, throw Sanderson and James in there and off we go. And, and then the next person and someone is noting these all down. And yeah, and then you have a round of drinks and you know food and then you do it again. And so that, that's my ideal kind of dinner. And um, yeah, so, uh, so one of the ideas was this guy, Ben, saying, I'm really struggling to finish the books I keep downloading onto my Kindle. Like it's so easy and cheap to do nowadays. And I'm out here and I'm in Bali and I should be reading lots and doing all this personal development. And I, it, it's just not happening. So I want to work on that. So we, we had the met up for a green juice the next day in a kind of in the monkey uh, forest and, and oh my we... gosh green juice in the monkey oh, forest you are i mean it is nailing so many personal development guru stereotypes i love it i had i opened up my bamboo satchel and pulled out my <laughs> kindle wrapped in banana leaf and then, anyway so we compared it we basically compared our like our libraries on our kindles and we had a, a very similar collection of books they were all 80% nonfiction. They were all around sort of contemporary culture, science, philosophy, business. And um, they were all between sort of 10 and 30% read. And we said, oh, what's our problem here? Are we just unfocused? Are we lazy? Are we just, are we just like the feeling of having books in our, on our Kindle that make like a library shelf that, may, that we don't read? And we realized after a bit of uh, after discussion that maybe we just needed like the good old accountability of a book club so we said let's do this for a month here let's pick a book and we invite the group that we're part of to join in and at the end of the month we'll meet up in one of these hippie cafes and 
maybe in the evening and design a drink around, cocktail around it and discuss it. So nothing radical about that. We're just going to finish a book. We're going to rebel and finish one of these books. And so we did that and it was fun. And um, we came back to London and I said, oh, we should do that again, Ben. That was, that was great. And I really enjoyed what we got out of it. And I said, well, this time let's do it. Let's invite people to join, but let's charge them a small fee. And let's, let's nudge them, coach them to get through the book. Little kind of like boot camp style. Um, this week you should be on chapter three or page 56. Um, let's talk about what's going on at this stage. What do you think about these questions? So sort of gentle English lit kind of nudges. And then at the end of the month, we, we organized a little meetup. And the first one was back in April 2015 on the roof of Virgin's head office in Paddington, like, you know, where they do the big deals. And we managed to persuade someone to let us up there. Well, we got a sort of bottle of rum and some mixers and read Happiness by Design by Paul Dolan, which is all about, you know, how do you apply that sort of design thinking to kind of your life. And, um, and it was great. And I was like, let's keep doing this. And people, so people pay 15 pounds. We sent them a book voucher and we organized an event. And we, that was 70, 70 months ago this month. So it's grown ever since. And people have joined from all over the world and it's gone through various iterations, but yeah, that's, that's been rebel book. So we rebel because we finish not only start books and we try and apply what we learn back into, into our lives and, and the world in a positive way. Uh, the uh, I think that neatly answers one of James's questions. Was like exactly how rebellious is this book club? Are you were you in the well, capital? It, yes, right. <laughs> I wanted to know what the rebellion was against, so that makes perfect sense. Now I against, understand against procrastination and laziness. But but so that's the I guess the uh, the tongue in cheek aspect of it. Um, but the the more it's also just this whole thing of like, well, we're all out there learning about the world, but but often not doing anything with it. So. We try and it's the, the radical act is to actually, you know, take this knowledge and information and stories, inspiration on board properly. So we're just helping people do that because we live in the age of distraction. And so it's just just trying to sharpen that tool. And and of course, the real value is the people you connect with as much as what you read. The, it's the people you meet along the way. Uh, as is always the case. And so like, I'm sure like when you were talking about starting books and not finishing them, there's a bit of me which uh, uh, like I comfort myself by thinking, you know, there's often so many people say like books end up in book size when they could be sort of 80 to 100 pages long and they've already communicated the idea. And there's I'm like, yeah, so I'm just sort of like doing that by only reading the start of books. So uh, but I'm not sure that that is the right way to look at it. What is? What are some tips that you've got to help people read more? Join a join a book club. Yeah. So aside from joining, <laughs> no, so accountability will help. But I think it's if your if your aspiration is I want to, uh, so we focus on nonfiction, which tends to be a little harder. It's not academic, but it, it tends to be a little bit harder than fiction to get through. Um, because the, the design of nonfiction is not always that every chapter ending is a hook to start. You know, you don't get that little chemical release. What's going to happen next? Um, da Vinci Code style. So it's, and sometimes they should only be a length of a blog. So that's that's about choosing the right books, which is yeah, which is yeah, another yeah. thing altogether. But the main things are is to one is to start reading, like pick up books that you're you know that are going to work for you, um, because there's start you know low-hanging fruit so pick something like actually there is a strong story driving 
driving through this. And some of the most successful books we've read at Rebel Book Club are, you know, they're written by kind of journalists or people who've gone deep into a story. And then there's bigger discussion around it. So we just read, well, by the way, what are the language rules on this podcast? You can say anything you fucking want, you can. Uh, that was <laughs> probably <laughs> unnecessary to go there, but uh, people are used to it. No, I mean, we, we try, I, I probably went too far, but uh, <laughs> you can, so basically you can go for it. So, so such a, you know, well, you know, polite to guess, so polite to guess. Um, <laughs> So Mind Fuck, which is written by, uh, great title for the book, um, written by Christopher Wiley, who was a whistleblower at Cambridge Analytica, who was basically, was, was the, uh, he's a Canadian, but it kind of the British version of the Edward Snowden story. And he was just, you know, basically showed that Cambridge Analytica was behind a lot of the, the lies of the Brexit marketing campaign and was manipulating, stealing data and all this kind of stuff through social media. But you know, at the core of the core of this book is this sort of rebel, uh, you know, twenty-something hacker, uh, pink-haired gay guy, Canadian guy in London, like basically going, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm getting really well paid. <laughs> it's really amazing technology, but it's wrong. Um, and uh, you're like, why did it take a year for you to to basically like blow the whistle on this? And it's because he was risking his life essentially. Um, but he got in deep quite quickly. Anyway, it, the story, it's a thriller, right? But it's real life thriller and it connects back to the world that we live in. Um, another one we read was called Bad Blood, which was about this uh, sort of female Steve Jobs entrepreneur um, in the US who was trying to, in terms of, you know, through pricking your finger, you could take a blood test at home and it would tell you all this stuff about your The health. Theranos lady who speaks in a very low voice the whole time and just lies about everything. But convinced millions. I know, uh, it's nuts. And, and kind of, it was a prelude to what we've seen with Trump in the sense that she convinced a lot of the kind of Republican old school to back, back her and get on her board and make her legitimate. And so a another epic kind of thriller story um, so those ones do well. And so it, going back to like, how do I get into a good reading habit, pick thrillers or pick books that, you know, real world stories that are going to like hook you in rather than going for, uh, the, how to be more about this, because that might be a little difficult to get into unless it's your passion subject. So that's, that's the main thing. Pick, pick the easy ones. And then after that, don't dis don't tie yourself down. If you, if you're not getting on with it by chapter three, you're not going to give up on it, but you can pause jump it's non-fiction jump around so read the conclusion how does that make you feel watch the ted talk does that bring the author's character to life uh listen to their podcast they've got all the supporting portfolio of content so usually so so you know dive it and then of course get into conversations around it and and then if you're struggling it's it's down to okay can i read something else on this theme that might be more suited to this the style that i i i enjoy um, so it's a bit like food, I guess. Try lots of different things. If your if your only thing is like I just want a good reading habit, and I'm like it's kind of like exercise and building couch to five k. It's that sort of zero to two hundred pages a, a month or whatever it is. Then it's all about the trigger for the reading, like any habit. So it's like okay, I'm going to have the book in the microwave or under the pillow or wherever it is. So I just pick it up, and you've got to then separate your digital tools away they, they can't be nearby because if you're easily distracted not not super focused on the book then you're not giving yourself much much hope 
And do you find that people do develop a reading habit? So you use the the metaphor or the, I guess, a simile, I don't know, the, the example of couch to 5K, right, which is very much you're developing muscles and, you know, a, a physical capacity to do something you couldn't do before. Do you find that people develop a transferable reading habit so that if they read more books that they like, they'll be more able to read books that are a struggle for them? Does it actually work like that? Yeah, I think one because your obviously your your ability to read, uh, you're kind of anticipating a lot more. It's like when you learn. I mean, my children are learning to read for the first time, right? So, uh, it's interesting how they go from the building blocks of phonics to anticipating the shapes of words and sentences, and you know, because actually understanding the whole grammar of English language is it's a step too far for even most of us. Uh, so let alone five-year-olds. So actually it's, you start to guess like, oh, this is what comes next. And then does it make sense against the phonic structure? And I think, I think even coming back into reading in whatever age as an adult, you're, you're sort of going, okay, I get, I'm seeing how this, this argument is being put together. And obviously there are different styles, but it tends to be, they tend to, nonfiction especially tends to be more similar. Essay writing, hopefully really well, well written um rather than fiction which can have a really big range of different styles which sometimes you have to get used to um so yeah i think that that's one thing is you get used to a kind of rhythm of how these how these books are rhythm written um and the other thing is is of the ideas themselves so when you start to read more like any practice um you the dots start connecting and although they they might not seem, and that's what always comes up at, at Rebel Book Club. It's like, oh, this reminds me of, or this makes more sense, or this insight jumped out at me because of that. And so that's the tapestry uh, of reading, reading more and reading more widely. So so we focus on two things, which is quantity. So it's about upping it, improving the amount you're reading, and, and so on. But also the the diversity or the uh, the mixture of the of what you're reading. I love that idea of building a tapestry because you just it's something people don't think about. I think they think about books discreetly. They don't necessarily realize you're building a knowledge base and a set of understandings and an appreciation that once you make those connections between different books and different domains, it, your whole experience is much richer, or at least I would think so. I remember that part in Angela's Ashes where he talks about his... Uh teacher who like confiscates a comic book from him with the idea of and he says I think if you fill your head in bubble with bubble gum you'll only have bubble gum thoughts or something like that and it really is it's, it's the building blocks for you know how you engage and interpret the world and that's like as good a definition of the self as any uh, I'd love to then go like you spoke about the ideas and there's something else really important in what you do is that actually how do people put it into action like how do you help people go and sort of make the ideas uh something which they continue doing instead of you know, just floating off and, oh i read that book this is just a short break a little moment to ah, unwind and for me to remind you that uh, the life on this project is not just an awesome podcast we are also a community and if you want to get involved uh, go to lifeonthis.io forward slash membership and uh, yeah you can go and apply to be part of our small groups they're places where people can go and discuss really big ideas the big questions uh, but then also go and connect and you know just have that 
real relationships and like where you can be totally honest and where people can hold you to account but also support you and what you do and that is what we're all about so back to ben we pick a different theme each month we create a short list of three books and the the key thing for the three books for us is uh, apart from the fact they need to be on price points and available in various formats because uh, people like audible as, as much as the <laughs> ebooks and the paperbacks these days um, is that there, there's 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 something that we can go? Oh, this this helps us reflect on our own lives or what's going on in the world around us, and therefore there's a potential to to to, to make that connection and potential action, or they're very tangible. So you know, turning the tide on plastics by Lucy Siegel, which we read a couple of years ago, very like in depth, really well written journalist broadcaster, like in depth analysis of on the plastic problem, and bad, 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 solution, 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 what you can do as an individual, what you can do, you know, what government should be doing, what what big business should be doing. And then there's this conversation, this great conversation, because everyone go, oh, yeah, I've started, I now know the difference between, you know, different types of composting plastic. So it's just pure education, and everyone can make those little changes. So there's, those ones kind of, they're great, those books, because you just take them on and you go, right, I'm doing this. And then people push each other. And some people will go, well, we kind of have like action lists at the end of the month, which is like a little bit, I'm really going to have a go at this, or I'm going to change my life around this book. And we try, we try and map out what that looks like as a set of actions. And changing your life is usually, you know, break up with someone, leave your church, uh, quit your job. <laughs> You know, it's it's the dramatic and i'm not saying the book necessarily tr is it but it could be the the thing that tips people over and often we hear like one or two years later someone says, oh yeah that book i can see you know connecting the dots backwards the job style i can see that book was the thing that triggered was the sliding door moment that led to this big life change now which is hopefully a positive one that they're telling you about. And then the books that are... So you're just breaking up a lot of marriages and relationships. It's weird. I just feel it's weird that you started with that one of like, uh, yeah, this is, this is a book club which will destroy, uh, destroy your connection to those around you. Or it might rekindle the connection. There we, that, that, I mean, that's a sort exactly. of thing. Then again, there might be some people who are listening to this and go, I'm going to read a book which will just give me the courage to tell him to do that. <laughs> I've always loved him. Um, <laughs> and then there are books and I'm, I'm thinking of you know Narina's book Lonely Century um, they're kind of books that are commentaries on the world that we're currently living um, and how we might navigate that right and usually they go through the pattern of this is the big problem in the world or this is this big thing that's happening and hopefully they they, they then say here's how we can do it better like you know this is a Noreen's book is a classic example. The Lonely Century, coming together in a world put, that's pulling apart. So there's some hope, but 80% of that book is about like, this has got really bad, and it, but, it, but it's, it's told and it, she tells the story really clearly. And that's half the thing is getting clarity. And I think when people get clarity or insight, which you can get in many different ways, uh, religious rituals is, is something that helps a lot of people, right? So, but through reading, you get those moments and it, and it's the combination i often find and what i hear from from our members it's the combination of that that book with my observation of what's going on out there in the world with what's going on in my work or personal life and and the combination of those things then leads to the the clarity or the or the insight that then can make me go okay and and so the so the action is often maybe just a raised 
like raise consciousness. I'm like, I'm more aware of this. I'm more aware of that. And so it might not be the tangible, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna eat red meat anymore in, in every in every case. And it can't be month on month, but it would be like, oh, I'm, I'm more aware of why privacy issues are an issue. And I think for a lot of, a lot of us, it's we see all these headlines flying by all the time and there's there's too much to take in it's too overwhelming we are curious about it and we kind of like i want to learn more about this but where where do i fit it all in and so when you when you read on a theme and a topic for a month you're not doing a phd on it but you're doing more than just reading a headline and that's that's helps with your understanding um and then you can make more informed decisions at the next point of purchase or or if it's a, a bigger moral decision you have that a little bit more of a toolkit. One question I've got uh, more about the sort of reading, and James, if you've got any, but then I'd really love to delve into this question of, you alluded to that book, The Lonely Century, about community. And I think your your project really fits into this like hole in community. But before we get there, like you also mentioned diversity in reading. And I know, like, how should people think about that in their own diets of like what they consume? And how has that sort of impacted in Rebel Book Club? Yeah, so Rebel Book Club was started by uh, two white 30-something heterosexual guys on holiday in Bali. The on holiday in Bali bit doesn't sound like white heterosexual guys, does it? But the <laughs> Well, actually. <laughs> James will be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah. <We're... laughs> um, but yeah, so not diverse uh, co-founders. Um, and so, but, and, and we were... We, I think we were we were open to like we want to read different books and so on but it's evolved over time and that's mainly because the community that rebel book club seemed to attract in spite of us had is quite a uh international uh diverse in many different ways group of people obviously there's a certain level of having time and money to be able to do this so socioeconomically probably not um but, you know, we're, interestingly, we're starting to look at things like neurodiversity within our community and all that kind of stuff, learning stuff. Um, and also, it seems to, like, really appeal only to people who like books. Well. But no, no, I just I bring that up, and I'm saying it flippantly, but it's quite <laughs> odd how we, like, often communities are, like, you guys are about books. Like, there might be a different one. Maybe you have a podcast club or whatever it might be. Like, the communities are never going to be include everyone, right? No. Because people no. are different and like it's I don't know, I, I slightly push back against this of like it should be space for everyone because actually makes it really hard to go and have something you gather around. Yeah, of course. And and, and that hasn't really been the thing that we've actually had to work at um, or felt we've had we've needed to. Um, it's been more about the reading itself. So yeah. I was filling out one of these sort of social impact things the other day and it was all about about your community and your teams. And, that. and I was like, well, actually, it's it's about the work we're doing together, which is in this case it's easy to measure it's the books so it's it's what kind of what are we reading about who's writing them and who's publishing mm. them like the power structure behind the, the huh. publishing industry which we're outsiders to and and that's what's fascinating so last summer we did our own little study on this inspired by reading invisible women that was our kind of nudge to finally act in invisible women's this book about the gender gap across so many aspects of society that and the data around it um and so we, we were like, well, come on, let's actually measure our, our reading habits. Uh, so we looked at the 50 books we read and all the 180 books we shortlisted and like how many of them were written by, uh, you know, psychology professors from Harvard? 
<laughs> you have, Wait a minute. Who, yeah, who have the setup, you know, to, to do this. And and it's not, that's not a critique of the book because we've read them and got value and had great insights. Author of psychology about. professors from Harvard, <laughs> many of whom are some of my best friends. There you go. We have, we have bought thousands of books from them and learned multitudes. So uh, we're very grateful. But it was kind of like, okay, who are the publishers? But like, because then it goes for algorithms. So you're like, okay, how do we choose these shortlists? Um, and so on. And so we just we just did a study on that. And actually, the thing that we, we weren't doing very well on or we wanted to do more of was support basically more independent publishers who were doing some really cool stuff and some and some authors who weren't didn't have weren't top of the charts because it was not because of the quality of their work, um, but because it's quite hard to get there from certain places. So we try in our shortlist now to have and we're measuring it as we go um more representation from people who in the industry in the publishing industry but in terms of the content itself it kind of it's easy we just we just pick and mix it all the time i kind of love that story because it's an example of how your reading helps your own organization it's like a self it's a self uh it's a pro proving your mission statement in your own work right you read a book and then you're like oh we need to think about how we do rebel book club better because yeah. of the book we read at rebel book club there's something finally nice. finally yeah reading the reading the silk roads about the history of islam and christianity um i was like do we need to change our subscription model now <laughs> <laughs> more open to the I really want to ask about your subscription model, but I know Sanderson wants to talk about the community aspect. That's very important for us at the Life Force podcast. Sanderson wants to talk about faith. And James is like, tell me about the business. How's the business work? <laughs> well, That's that, that, not how it is. But the, uh, well, I mean, whenever it's quite interesting, certainly around Sunday assembly, uh, people seem to be torn when you do something around community, either by saying uh, there's no money in it or by saying you're only in it for the money. That's like this funny position you get to. Like, I'm sure you get it if you're like, as you know, uh, around the ethical society in St. Louis, people are like, oh yeah, churches, they just want all the money. And then there's also <laughs> sort of like self-pity and you're like, I, yeah. Have you seen the size of the Pope's house? No? Uh, can, <laughs> well, the can church go... was a great business model. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, and It's well, still doing fine in America, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Let's use that as an opportunity to go into... Uh, community and you one of the last books you read was the lonely century uh i was able to go and ask a question of narina at your lovely event like how do you reflect on the needs that you are serving at the moment yeah and i think this reading that book and chatting with narina the other day took me back to you know you asked me at the start where did this where did this come from or what what matters and, you know, I went off traveling as a 20 year old because I didn't want to take the easy route of a privileged corporate job somewhere, even though maybe in hindsight, it would have been a good idea for a couple of years to pay off some debts. But but I went off traveling and I ended up um, living and working in all sorts, of part, all sorts of different parts of the world and then setting up a project on an island in Fiji. And this is when actually when that project took off, I started hearing about this weird vicar running something called Sunday Assembly. They were like, <laughs> oh, it reminds me of this. So um so yeah, this was a project called Tribe Wanted, and we managed to crowdfund the renting of a Fijian island in the South Pacific. Uh, a whole island? Yeah, 200 acre island. Um, Bloody we, hell. We lived there for five years, and um, it's it's a whole another story. But basically, I had my kind of um, 
I guess, real spiritual awakening, but kind of upbringing or maturing, living with, uh, you know, my business partner was a 65-year-old Fijian chief called Tui Mali, who was responsible for these four villages on the neighboring island and, and this big family and, and all the struggles they were going through um, with their farms and the fishing and the politics and, the, and, and you know, and then he brought in us to try and help with with some of it on the tourism side. I'd read and this it, book, Ben. Bloody yeah. hell. And then every night we used to sit around uh, what we call the carver bowl. What I say we, what, what the Fijians call the carver bowl, which is this wooden bowl. I've got I've got a mini one on the shelf here somewhere. And it's uh, they take full of this, carver. So carver is the colloquial <laughs> name in Fiji for a, a the pepper a pepper plant called which is called yangona. And Yangona, it grows in the really hot, humid parts of the tropics, like the South Pacific and up in the hills. Anyway, you take the roots of the pepper plants um, and you bundle them up and they sell it in markets. It's like dirty roots, but you buy a kilogram or two kilograms of, of grog or carver and you take it to the local chief. So if I was, you know, coming to your house now, I'd be bringing a bundle of carver roots and we do a little ceremony to say, this is why I'm here. I'm here to have this discussion with you or announce this news or say there's a new, a new, um, new birth, marriage or death in the village, whatever it was. And, and then you would receive the carver and then it gets pounded up uh, into a uh, really fine sort of grain. So it's all the roots. So it's pretty disgusting. And then put, they put it in basically a dishcloth, a clean one, and then rinse water through it. So it looks like doing dirty washing into this big wooden bowl. And then everyone sits around the wooden bowl and the, and the chief, in your case, Sanderson, you would take a cup, a coconut shell of it and knock it back and now we're together i've trusted huh. you that you haven't poisoned me um and so i've taken your news on and we've done this ceremony to establish because we're islanders we, we we don't trust each other we have to do this in this way because we used to fight the whole time cannibalism and the rest of it so so that was how you would build trust and then you'd sit around the carver bowl and and carver itself is a or young is um this pepper plant it's basically like the um cocoa leaf in in south america it's got it, it's got a kind of natural um elements of like cocaine and, and and so it sort of numbs numbs your lips and your mouth and your and your tongue and starts and so if you have a group of people over here recording a, a podcast whilst drinking carver and then a group of people over there recording a podcast whilst drinking uh, alcohol you wouldn't hear the people who were drinking the carver because they'd all speak like this and they'd be very chatty and they have lots to say but it's all kind of very focused and calm and so on Whereas it, it, those drinking alcohol, they're all just piling on top of each other because they're losing the ability to coordinate everything. They're excited, but they... Anyway, so that was... that was. I sat around the carver bowl in amongst trying to run this project for five years. Um, and that was the way we did business, the way we did um, important events and the way we celebrated and the way we commiserated. And it was all around this, this, uh, this very ceremonial drink. Um, and and it was amazing, and I, it made me realise something, uh, whether it can be proven or not. But there hasn't been much war in that part of the world since they've been using this as a ceremonial drink, or it was a currency originally. Um, and so it's all about like, well, ritual at the centre of a community that brings people together, and the and the slowing down, especially the slowing down of decision making to the point where you're reflecting over time over this long drawn out conversation and it reminds me of like well this is how i'd like to be in a church because 
now all right you're sitting under the stars in the tropics as people playing ukulele, doing coke you're with each other taking, taking <laughs> well, it's like it's like licking a tree it's not very nice um but it, but it, but and it's it's a great feeling and so you're like oh why why was it but it is a really strong ritual and after a while like they're calling up the snake gods and all of this and you're like oh do we have to go through this for the fifth time today <laughs> But it was really powerful. And everyone that came to that on that project, and we had about two or three thousand people visit over five years for an average of two or three weeks at a time. You know, it was all around the sustainability of the village. It was like catching rainwater, growing our fruit and veg, catching the fish and so on. But the thing that really impacted people the most was this the music and the the ritual and and the kind of coming together around this bowl and storytelling. And I have no idea whether I've answered your question, but that's that was something that feels like an appropriate thing to share. You've opened up a whole nother podcast episode, <laughs> did you, Ben? It's like, wow. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, that has certainly got to, you know, the, just the amount of people who would go over there, I that like that power of ritual. I think one of the, I mean, you know, the fact that you were likening it to a church, uh, we had a... Because I think a lot of the people who come on this podcast are sort of like vicars, if there were vicars, right? You know, they're, they're people who are community builders, who want to engage with ideas, who want to help people, who want to build things, you know, like I could, you know, in the deep south, uh, if you were Christian, you'd probably like a bloody good, uh, run a bloody good church. So, uh, and so what do you think is the like the gap which is being filled by this like what are the you speak to a lot of people like you know what why are people joining your communities well the island one was an easy sell because you basically selling utopia um i say easy sell easy to get people interested so we had tv show wrote a book the rest of it it was like the the real life reality tv show let's watch this fail kind of thing so we got a lot of interest hard to convert people <laughs> not to not to the religion but to coming because it's an island on the other side of the world uh, but we still managed to get a few thousand involved which was great um but what are people and and so the the question that would often come up is like people would say and people get very emotional after being there for just two weeks and you know i i'm very much about bringing people together cross culture culturally to learn and share and build community but i i would never say i was on that sort of like full cultish commune you know there are there are layers to this and i think i never got that far but because we were being guided by the local chief and we were living a fijian life not not our own version of the beach we were very much under the fijian version um but people would say i would get really emotional and they would say things like i never felt like i belonged like a, to, to a to a place and to a way of living than i have in the last two weeks i said well you have been in the hammock eating banana cake and drinking carver in the evenings it's pretty good <laughs> it's pretty good but then it was also very basic as well it was no comfortable amenities there like the other hotels in fiji so i think that sense of belonging runs through it and then I, or that desire to belong to something where um it, you know there, there's this sort of openness and just like oh people accept me for who i am and um and and it doesn't matter there's no judgment of like where you've come from who you are which is, I guess, what a house of uh, of God is about, right? It's like, okay, come on in. It doesn't matter where you're from, who you are. You're welcome. And how can we help? And um, jo join in with what we're doing today. And uh, yeah, that was what was great about learning from those people and living with them. 
James just wrinkled his nose. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah, I was, who, I was just going to say, who you not are been my experience you... of church, but that's okay. <laughs> You've got the, probably quite a sort of uh, a Church of England. Oh, yeah. If you don't believe in God, who cares? Sort of attitude. Whereas, <laughs> uh, in the U, in the US, they they do it. Uh, some of them do it a bit differently. It's, I found it really interesting. You've come back to that sort of idea of belonging, and that, uh, and at the start, you mentioned it. And uh, you mentioned how it was like a belonging to this moment. And it was like a sort of like feeling, it was actually sort of feeling connected to, uh, like it sounded like a spiritual thing. And often this idea of what connection, like spirituality is sometimes looked at as connection to other people, to the world, to yourself. And uh, yeah, there's no question at the end of that, but I just thought it was uh, like really interesting to see yeah, this sort of... Well, I think it's why people are suffering so much now because we, we, it's really hard to connect. Like, this is great. We're connected. It would be even better if we were together. Um, and Narina Hertz was talking about this. Like, it's really hard to, through video, to interpret all the signals. I mean, we're top. We're only seeing our top halves here. Uh, not that, like, kicking your feet around is a strong body language, but but it, it's this sort of, like, that that level of connection so we're missing it in our sports stadiums we're missing it in our concerts we're missing it you know music i mean i really feel for the music industry not just because their business model's screwed right at the moment but because everything about their identity is tied up with like communal like bringing people together physically and they're, they're not the only one yeah mine yeah. too yeah i was gonna yeah. say that was like <laughs> my life as well right speaking exactly speaking to someone who runs a church and someone who does like, like does a lot of performing and training it's also like and for me there's actually the like why i do this work is the like that's like how i serve and how i you know it's, it's both like spiritual experience but also service and you know like uh yeah so Narina Hertz blames blames a lot on technology. And and of course, mm. the question is then, well, like, come on, technology is a tool. There's always been tools that, you know, change the world. It's a case of like what whose hands they get into and what they do with them and so on. So I, I'm still reasonably optimistic about tools at tech, even though that it's going through a, a bad PR moment. Um, because it does allow you, you know, a lot of the projects I've been involved with, like the, the Fijian story, Tribe Wanted project, that would not have happened without a MySpace type social network community. This was pre-Facebook. Like we wouldn't have been able to bring those people, that funding, that that sort of, and tell the story of that one island and his chief and his family, which had a lot of positive impact without that technology. And so I think we, we, we get caught up in this sort of like, tech is bad like community in person is good and like, the world has evolved and so it's a case of saying how do we fulfill the needs of each uh, each other's human needs in 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 ways that help um and there's definitely a need right now to to slow down and step away from it all um but coming together physically is going is is always been important it's what sets us apart as animals um you know in terms of our ability to communicate it's why we evolved to survive and and be on the other 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 apes and so if we if that is constantly unavailable then we're in trouble um so the pandemic is a problem in many ways but especially on on this on this in this way but yeah that's what's so fascinating about how, how people are forming groups in different ways um to try and fulfill their their needs to be together and is that something because that one of the questions that came up when Sansa and I were discussing Rebel Book Club was what's the differentiator 
that makes it different from other book clubs because there are a lot of book clubs out there oh God, and so we'll, many this year. is it that focus on community on building relationships which i guess isn't isn't always there how would you describe that to people who who have a choice of which it's like at the end of a flight to say we know you have a lot of choices about which book club to join we thank you for reading with us <laughs> yeah exactly no there's been about two million book clubs launched i think in the last uh since since covid happened um so every other person who's got some kind of public profile is like hey join my join my new book club and the reason why most of them peter out or, or don't go on and stay the distance is like any project it, it requires work um, and so I think the reason we're we're going six years later, and that's not necessarily an old book club um, or community at all, it, it, uh, it is because we're just like let's keep we've kept it the model really simple. We do it every month. We we did it for three and a half years. We just did it as a two hour Sunday night kind of project, um, and then it's built and built and built. And now it's my full time focus. But yeah, keeping it simple, making sure the the model, the sustainability of the model works so that it's not going to create stress. And that's one of the things I've learned over the years is like, how do you work on something and build a community that you're motivated to do, but actually have a model around it that's that's reasonably solid? Like the Tribe Wanted Fiji project was as wonderful as, as, as it sounds, but I carried the weight of, I, I took the glory but as the leader, but I also carried the weight of like, uh, financially, this is this isn't going to work out, and I'm still paying some debts off from that ten years later. So, so yeah, I think having having something, you know, it's got to be off to it's got to play out, it's got to work, the model's got to work, and then the other thing, I mean, the reason people join us is because they want accountability, uh, they want someone to be like checking in on them, they want that structure, and then it's like who who's in the club, and so it's like any community, it's like who's who's in there, and am I likely to connect with them? But people join us because they want to improve their reading habits more diversify them and they stay because of the people they meet uh, as ever on this uh, podcast i always uh, find the moment to uh, sort of disagree with james is that like i like i like because people have a uh people have uh often asked that like about like why would you do like the sundays the small groups that we do you know like anyone can if you want you can go and start a small group but actually the amount of small groups which we sub like which we learn in Sunday assembly, yeah. Are you going to know exactly when to let people know? Are you going to have the things that sort of like additional materials to go and uh, help people get the most out of it? Uh, you can. Are you going to go and get the right people there? And are you going to be part of something which ensures that it keeps going? And so. Uh, yeah, like, and, and there'll be some people who, you know, there's, uh, I think we had Casper on this podcast, great podcast, give it a listen. And like in his small group, they're all ministers. It's like, yeah, that one, you're going to be able to make it work because you are all trained facilitators and ministers. But like for like what you get by going and like whether it be the, the lifefulness small groups or Rebel Book Club or whatever else it is, like investing investing in it to make sure it works is you know like how you're gonna uh, often get more from it I think. yeah and and the structure that you just you you put out there to empower people is really important it's something we're looking at with rebel book club as we grow internationally and so um i, I, I heard a great example this morning which i spoke to the co-founder of a uh, an app called olio which is a food waste mm. app which helps connects people up in your local area when you've got like food left over and you can i i've got this oh yeah i need that um brilliant 
use of technology and community building. And um, Sasha, the co-founder I spoke to this morning, she said, asking, well, how did you get to 3 million users and, and like have this huge positive impact in this wonderful community? And she said, the technology wasn't the barrier. Like we figured out the technical challenges to scaling and the money and everything else. The thing that took time, the thing that we worked really 80% of our effort into was empowering these people who were really passionate about this idea to to basically bring other people on and and so they got they got fifty thousand I don't know if they call them super food waste hosts or whatever they were called but they basically built this this core inner community super and then, wasters and then gave them <laughs> or the opposite of super wasters okay <laughs> and then gave them the tools to say right this is how you you spread the word locally and, and in their trusted networks. Now that's not a new model of community building, but it was really interesting to hear that actually it's not been ads on Instagram that scaled their their business and their, their impact in the world trying to solve this huge problem. It's been person to person within small groups. And you know, there's lots of great examples like this, like Park Run and, and, mm. and many others. So th those are the kind of models I'm fascinated about. And they tend to all, the answers tend to be the same, which is like, how did you build this community to have huge impact? Well, we just got, you know, someone say, here's the tools, here's our values, here's our mission. Off you go. And, mm. uh, and the words and the word spreads. Oh, well, uh, Ben, thanks so much for that. That is, I really hope that I'm sure it will help uh, people read more and then also get this better understanding of, uh, sort of uh, of community and some of the needs which are being met. I am now doing it again where I end on a blessing uh, for our guest. And Ben, I would like to give you my self-appointed secular blessing to continue the amazing work you do. You are a book uh, that I have had a great pleasure reading over the past six months when we uh, got to know each other over the community accelerator you uh, we had. Uh, I You've got a great cover, uh, but also when you crack open the pages of Ben Keen, it is a <laughs> rewarding read in every way. I hope many other people read your book and I'm going to stretch this blessing and analogy because in all that you've done, you go and show you want to connect people you want to help people and i always love it when great people go and find an amazing vehicle to go and do their work and i want you to keep on doing it because i like you a lot and you deserve it i've just fainted at the altar <laughs> there we go all right people are going to want to see the video of this one my yeah goodness. yeah yeah uh, so thanks so much for listening everyone and uh, we'll see you next time Oh, I like doing the blessings again. I sort of uh, went off them for a bit, but it's really nice to say uh, kind things to wonderful people. That was a load of fun. Uh, yeah, if you want to go and find out more, there's more info in the show notes. <laughs> I'm in my uh, bedroom doing this uh, and it's quite funny. I just did the sort of pointing down thing that you do if you like are doing a video. Click the link below. So if you've got very sensitive ears, you will have you'll have seen me do the uh, the link below point. Well done for spotting it. Uh, what has been happening this week in the Lifefulness Project? Lifefulness 101, uh, the course. Uh, so we had the first session last week and then it's been really great to just be sending out the coursework which people have been doing. And again, for those who've been listening from the start, like that, you know, 
that wasn't happening to begin with. So it is because uh, there wasn't a community and now there is this uh, little community. So that is great to send out little exercises and to go and get people's response to them and all of that stuff. Uh, so that's been fun. And then the rest of the week has been doing stuff which is like the nuts and bolts of like trying to get a community off the ground. So I've been speaking to uh, designers for a website. It seems quite fun. But then also to create our funnel and to go and, you know, think about conversion rates and all sorts of stuff, which is not why I got into this stuff. Uh, but that's been uh, quite good. Speaking to people on Upwork and then using sort of different like websites to extract data so that I can see whose books are coming out so I can get interesting podcast guests in a scalable way. Uh, but I also quite like that stuff. So that's just quite fun. I say that in a, uh, I say that in a way that makes it sound like it's awful. But uh, yeah, it's quite fun. Like having a hunt around and finding out a little sort of piece of code to use in a spreadsheet and whatever else it might be. So that's on that side. And uh, oh, yeah, it was my 40th last week. Did I mention that? Uh, oh, yeah, that's why I got it. The intro for the last podcast was so bad. It was really late and I wanted to make sure that we never skipped a week. So I was like, I am going to get this done. And uh, I was sort of quite, I think I enjoyed like doing the music side of things. I was like, oh, I'm just going to be uh, sort of like a bit like Phil Spector, just ringing up the different levels, creating an uh, amazing soundscape, but it didn't sound that good. Uh, so yeah, that was last week. Uh, and so that was my birthday was on the Thursday and then the day after that we it turns out we had the buyer for our house went and pulled out so that's super annoying because uh, Imogen and I are moving house like it, it turns out that uh, sort of before Christmas uh, when we didn't yet have a buyer I made a sort of dumb video with uh, a comedian called Sam Nicaresti and this is basically some sort of spoof uh, house advertisement. And um, so I just went and put that on. That. So I just had that in the tank and uh, put that online today. So uh, that was fun. It's uh, I'm going to make some more videos. You'll be pleased to hear. People have listened this far into the podcast. Because even though I did that for non sort of like business purposes, I did that just for fun. Uh, I mean, also to sell our house because we're sort of now buyerless but uh yeah it was it was really great just to do something which is a bit daft so anyway that's where the lifefulness project is thanks so much for listening everyone if you want to get more involved in the community then go to lifefulness.io forward slash membership we don't know when the next course is going to launch but you can go and apply to be part of the small groups and we're going to be launching them running them alongside the group and then bringing people together and oh wowzers and when, and when you sign up whew, watch out that funnel is going to be pretty good well it, it won't be if you sign up now it's still going to be the same old shit show it was so anyway thanks a lot for listening you're great uh thanks so much to mavs for doing this editing thanks for everything james croft got it in the wrong order uh thanks will andrews for the artwork and roman rapak and miro shot for the excellent music that you're hearing right now <laughs>